0: Today's episode of the Canadian Church Leaders Podcast is brought to you by our friends at Compassion Canada. Compassion exists to connect you, the church in Canada, to the church around the world to end child poverty in Jesus' name.
1: And I think for me, and this would be my challenge for pastors right now, We are so impressed with things that Jesus is not impressed by. And we don't even realize it. Like, we applaud numbers and we applaud followers and we applaud big and we're so impressed by things. We're impressed by fame and we're impressed by celebrity and we're impressed by all this type of stuff. And I just realized I'm like, I think we're applauding things Jesus isn't applauding and we're impressed by things Jesus isn't
0: impressed by. Well, hey, friends, it's Jason here, and I want to welcome you to another episode of the podcast. And today, you get a break from me, sort of mostly. I'm going to do the intro and the outro, but we have a guest interviewer today named Kim Moran. Kim is a local pastor. Kim recently sat down via Zoom with Pastor Banning Liebscher, the founding pastor of Jesus Culture. Today, Banning and his wife, CJ, are the lead pastors of Jesus Culture Sacramento, which is a church committed to seeing people encounter God. To be empowered to impact their spheres and engage their city as leaders. Banning is the author of four books, the latest one called The Three Mile Walk. Check out the subtitle The Courage You Need to Live the Life God Wants for You. In this conversation, Banning and Kim chat about moving your church to maturity. They talk about better metrics for church health and how to build influence for the right purpose and more. But before we jump into today's conversation, I want to take a minute to speak to lead pastors and youth pastors for a moment. And anyone that's working in the youth ministry context, I don't know if you've picked this up from me before, but I really believe in youth and children's ministry, it's so essential. And youth ministry is harder today than it ever has been before. And our friends at the Youth Worker Community, formerly Canadian Youth Worker, they've launched a coaching program for youth workers. It's a nine-month program, and it's designed to take youth workers to the next level in their leadership as a pastor myself, I'm trying to invest as intentionally as possible in our youth ministry team. So we signed up our youth point person for this program. She's going to join a group with a few other youth pastors and get coaching and training that's custom to her context, which is great for us because we're a church plant and it's so unique in an urban setting. The next cohort starts in two weeks. They've got a few more spots. And if you mention this podcast, CCLN, they'll give you $150 off the cost of registration. And to be honest, $150 is no joke. There's a lot of things you can get with $150. You could get, you could add guacamole to your Chipotle bowl at least 50 times with that value. So you can find out more information and everything you need to register at youthworker.community slash coaching. Okay, with all that said, I hope you enjoy the conversation today with Kim and Banning.
2: All right. Well, we're here today with Banning. Banning, thanks so much for joining us today. So glad to have you, your voice on this podcast.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Always love. Honestly, uh, maybe my favorite group of people to talk to is leaders and then leaders that are leading in the church. It's just my favorite. So thanks for having me on.
2: For those people who may not at this point, I I feel like it is hard to imagine uh, people not knowing you. They at least know about Jesus' culture, have heard of it, but why don't you just explain a little bit who you are, tell us a bit about your family, what you do for ministry and in the leadership world.
1: Absolutely. Well, I'm 44 years old. I um, have been married for 22, almost 23 years. I have a 21-year-old daughter, an 18-year-old daughter, and a 15-year-old son. And um, I have been in full-time ministry since I was 19. For 18 years, I was on staff at a church in Redding, California, which some people would know, called Bethel, where I was the youth pastor for—I was in youth ministry for 12 of those. And then out of that came Jesus Culture, which we did for—still are doing for a long time. And uh, so did Jesus Culture, which was really just mobilizing a generation and doing worship and conferences and tours, got to go all around the world. And then uh, seven years ago, we really felt called and we moved to Sacramento, the capital of California. And we actually are hitting uh, this upcoming weekend, are hitting our six year anniversary for the church. So uh, we planted a church with our whole team and uh, called it Jesus Culture. So uh, we have something called Jesus Culture Sacramento, a church here in this region, and have been doing that now for the last six years. So that's kind of my life.
2: We'll probably talk a lot about the church and the process even of planting that church and the team that went with you. But you mentioned a bit about your family. I noticed you didn't talk at all about the chickens that you recently adopted. I heard that yeah. you have become a new parent yeah. or something. Okay,
1: listen, so COVID, <laughs> COVID's brought out a whole new side of me. And it's because like right now I'm, I'm actually in my office, which is kind of in our garage connected to our outside. So I sit around, just look at our backyard and so we've completely redone our backyard and Amazing. completely did a whole bunch of stuff, got a whole bunch of projects done. But we went and got chickens. And my wife, you'd have to know the story of my wife. She's like, wants animals. Uh, so we got these three chickens. And, um, and so this is going to expose my family a little bit. But like my family really, I don't like this show. I think it's, I actually don't like it. But Friends, my family, love, they really <laughs> like Friends and I have a problem with it, like, you know, spiritually. Anyways, so they named these three chickens... Phoebe, um, Rachel, and Monica. And so we have these three chickens named after friends. And and I kid you not, last week, a raccoon got one of them. So I literally had to come in and go, kids, Monica, a raccoon got Monica. No. (laughs) And we're like in a suburb. We're not even on property, right? We're just in the suburb with a backyard. And we just decided to stick this cute little chicken coop back there and put some chickens in it. But uh, yeah, so, so, so I'm living the farm life, man. I'm out here yeah. doing it. I literally, during quarantine, during this whole COVID season, I went and bought the first drill I've ever bought. I've never, I like I, I, I didn't own a drill. So I went and bought a drill and now I'm drilling everything and making planter boxes. I'm at another level.
2: Awesome. So this, um, obviously the world has been in a strange season, like over the last few months, one of the things that's come out of that for you is chickens in your backyard. <laughs> but what does it look like for you, for you to kind of like adjust to this season where you're working from home for a while? And
1: yeah, I've been working home for six months. Um, you know, I, 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 I say this um understanding that not everybody's having the same experience i'm having you know like i'm able to stay home we have a secure job uh you know uh, my daughter had covid but it didn't affect her too much like so i I understand that this is hitting different segments a lot harder but but it's actually been a a real gift I, i travel quite a bit and so i haven't been on a ministry trip in six months and uh, um, and it's been really beautiful. And I, I do love traveling. I love being able to minister. I love being able to do what I do. But it's been just time at home and being with the family and, and having to relook at a bunch of stuff, even with church and what we're doing and what does this look like and and, and how do we see people step up in this season and stuff. So it, it actually has it. I mean, I'm ready. I, 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 we slowly started meeting again not too long ago. And I, I I'm ready to kind of get back in the corporate setting with people. But um, it it actually has been it's it's been tough to see people go through to, to walk through some of it, but it's also been beautiful as well.
2: Yeah. So we, I, I know for us at our church, we've kind of like stripped everything away in this season yeah. and said like, okay, things may never go back exactly to the way that they used to be, or it may not be like that for a while. Have you had to do the same thing with your church? Just kind of like reimagine what oh, what's yeah. ministry going to look like in this season? What have we prioritized in the past that we need to prioritize differently now? Like what, what have those yeah. conversations look like around your team table?
1: Yeah, I mean, listen, can you, there's never been, I mean, this is not an exaggeration when you say the word literal, literally there's never been a situation like this in the American right. church for sure, where it's been shut down. And so I think there's a real gift we have right now that we may never get again in regards to really being able to look at things from the perspective. I, I think what's coming out of this season, I think there's a lot that's going to come out of the season, but one of them is this. I think as leaders, we're going to very clearly understand what matters and what doesn't. So I think both of those things are happening. I think we're I think we have a clear understanding of like, wow, that didn't really matter. What I thought was building the church wasn't building the church. And the effort I was putting into that thing, it doesn't actually matter. But then we've got some real clarity on what does matter. Okay. There's some things that I'm like, no. Nah. So it's almost like we've we we are able to see The things that maybe we won't put the effort we put into before, but we've got a deeper conviction on things that we did believe matter that we realize even more, they do matter. And so I I think it's just, I I think this season's bringing clarity in in, in all honesty. I think it's bringing clarity into what we're to put our hands to. Mm -hmm. But um, I think that there, especially in American church, it's such a broad statement, but I think there's... Kind of something that slipped in that we believe our planning, our effort, our strength, our strategy, our programs are what are building the church
2: right.
1: rather than Jesus is building the church. And I think one of the things that's coming out of this season is Jesus is building this church. <laughs> He's the one that's building this church and i think it's just so important for us to understand that and hopefully when we come back and we're going to come back to a church that's stronger, healthier, you know, hungrier, more mature that that as we come back not come back to church it's never left but when we come back into that corporate setting that that we actually have a deeper understanding, a deeper revelation. Wow! It wasn't my effort. It wasn't my right. preaching. It wasn't my strength. Now all of a sudden, we you know, for a lot of people, for the first month, we all looked like idiots on an iPhone trying to figure out how to do it, and our preaching style and our ability to shape the atmosphere and and our worship team just nailing it. All that stripped. It's all gone. Right. And, and, and not, I mean, some people were prepared to go in and just go online. Great. But a lot of people, they got like a guitar at home and they're trying to figure out what to do. And yet Jesus kept building his church.
2: That's right.
1: Jesus kept building his church. And I think it was a real, um, I think it was something that we needed to come face to face with that our worship team nailing it. my My really well-crafted sermon, my delivery, my like you know, all the great signs for all the visitors and all that type of stuff. And I I don't have a problem with any of it. I just think we need to realize, oh, that's not what's actually building the church. Right? Jesus is building the church. And when all that gets stripped away, guess what still happens? Jesus keeps building this church. So, you know, I think that that's some of what's going to come out of this season.
2: Yeah. And I feel like people who only know you attached to Jesus culture might just assume that like, oh, you guys do really great worship and really great services and all these great things. But the content of your teaching is often very like rooted, like literally in like the personal development and the integrity side of things and pursuing Jesus and listening to his heart and and those things. And I feel like that's going to be a an important direct. There's probably a lot of churches that have focused a lot on the service and the big celebration and the corporate gathering and not yeah. as much on the personal development side of things that are probably feeling that right now.
1: Yeah, and listen, this is, uh, this is what I think we have to have a real realization for. Ephesians 4, which lays out the purpose of the fivefold, like why mm-hmm. God gave us leaders, why he gave this governmental structure in the church, and it was so that we could become mature. Maturity looks like Jesus. Ultimately, if you want to know what maturity is, it looks like Jesus. It's the fruits of the spirit. But, but he, he you know, the, that our purpose as leaders is to help mature people. It's to help mature people, and so for us, that corporate encounter with the presence of God, which is where our worship would be fueled from, is is an important piece of maturing a believer. Right. So for us, we would say we want to see mature, healthy, thriving believers. And we believe mature, healthy, thriving believers are planted deeply in three soils, in, in the soil of God's presence, in the soil of God's word and the soil of God's family. Right. So for us, we would recognize that corporate gathering is an important piece of bringing people into the presence of God, and together we are encountering God and His presence and lifting up the name of Jesus, and we're getting planted deeper in that soil. But you better have the soil of His Word. You better have the soil right. of community. These are all important soils if you're if we're going to accomplish the goal, which is maturity. And I just told our church this the other day. I said, I really believe that right now, God in His mercy is exposing areas of immaturity Mm -hmm. because he has got to mature us if we're going to get where we're supposed to be going. And I think one of the things pastors are having a real wake up call around is, is that wow, the maturity of my people are maybe not where I thought it was. Right, And it can kind of get glossed over whenever we just have crowds. And I'm talking about, I mean, guys, the, the statistics that, I don't know what they are. Barna just came out with one of them, but like a third or something like that of the church, or it was two-thirds, I forget, a third of the people aren't even going to church right now online. Yeah. This is a maturity issue. Yeah. Are you telling me that somehow if all of a sudden the system gets disrupted, we're not mature enough to continue to watch online and reach out to people and stay connected. And like like if it's not super convenient, we don't want to do it. That is a maturity issue. Yeah. If If people stop giving in this time, it's a maturity issue. If people – like I'm just saying there's all this – if people don't know what to do – you know i mean can you imagine the church in china or iran or whatever like right. you know yeah. that, that when they're inconvenienced all of a sudden they just decide to check out yeah. I, i'm not all, i'm not mad at anybody about it i'm not even harsh i'm like i'm a super positive pastor but i told our people i said i think it is the i think it is the mercy And a gift from God right now that he is exposing areas of immaturity so that we'll mature. And I think as pastors, we have to go, wow, when the system got disrupted, I'll I'll tell you for us right now, because we're in the midst of an election year, Mm. I think the election year is exposing real immaturity in some believers. Mm. And I think it's a gift. I think it's a gift. Like, God, thank you for exposing immaturity that needs to grow. But as a pastor, it's a gift because we have to say, wow, why, why are my people not as mature as they should be?
2: Right.
1: That when, that when a divisive election shows up, when the system gets disrupted, when we can't meet like we used to, when it becomes inconvenient, all of a sudden these things manifest and that we can go relook again at what are we doing to develop people yeah. into maturity to look like Jesus.
2: Totally. And does I that make sense? If, what
1: I'm saying? I,
2: I, it totally does. And I wonder sometimes if that is some of the push for people to get back to the corporate gathering because it's easier to just go back to what we had and what was comfortable and what we felt like felt successful than to try and do some of the hard work because. Because it's easy, easier to do a nice service with great worship and try and bring yeah. a decent message. It's a lot easier to do that than to address the like deeper issues, right?
1: Yeah. Well, this is what I just posted today on my social media. And it was around this issue of, I'm afraid that, I'm a, okay, let me just, can I just preface this? I'm talking to leaders. I hate generalized statements. Generalized statements bug me. We make such a broad brush stroke as if every church in America was this. The church is so diverse. The church is so different layers and levels. So I so I'm going to make a generalized statement but just understand like the church is so many different churches are doing so many different things and so many do it well and all that type of stuff. But much of the church has no way of measuring whether they're healthy or making an impact outside of numbers. Right. Uh, like, like we, we, we seem to be so infatuated with numbers. We're yeah. so impressed by numbers. And it's like the only measuring standard we have for whether or not we're doing a good job or not. Mm-hmm. And, and my, and what I'm saying is, is this like numbers, it's one way to kind of look at, am I making an impact and are we healthy? But it's not the only way. And I don't think it should be the main way. Right. And so, so my point with that is, is as pastors, We kind of want to see numbers on Monday because that's kind of, we want to know if we're doing a good job at the end of the day, like are we making a difference, but we don't know how else to grab things. But when you're talking about things like maturity, when you're talking about things like fruits of the spirit, when you're talking about things like obedience, when you're talking about things like love, when you're talking about things like connection to community and engagement, like we don't know how to measure those things. So then everything gets defaulted to a number. And, and so my point is this, is I think we need to get a lot better at gauging maturity, like gauging maturity. Yeah. How do we gauge maturity? Not numbers. How do we gauge maturity? Are our people actually growing? Hmm. Not numerically, but actually in maturity and in fruits of the Spirit. It's one of the reasons why I actually very much, when I'm talking to pastors and dealing with them, say, tell me you're giving numbers. Hmm. because because how your people handle finances is is a is an easier way it's not the only way but it's an easier way to gauge maturity uh you know like uh, like how they honor god with their finances how they engage the issue of finances so it's like okay well there's one way to figure it out but like are they engaged are they connected are they reaching out are they you know right. it, whatever it is yeah. i really think we need to begin to go Are people mature and how do we gauge that? How do we gauge that? Because if all I'm getting is a report on Mondays about numbers, how many visitors there were, how many people showed up, how many, whatever else. If that's the only number I'm getting and that's what I'm actually determining on whether or not we're doing a good job or not a good job, we're missing yeah. Uh, 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 we're we're missing the mark on whether or not we're doing what Ephesians four tells us to do, which is mature belief, which is mature people.
2: Totally. And I mean, you you're speaking to these things as a leader who's who's pastoring a church, who's walking through this right now, who's probably knows or is trying not to maybe look at the numbers of people that are like watching every week, and you're walking probably through the same kind of challenges right now as every other pastor is. Is like. How are we gauging our success? What are we doing right now? What are, how are people engaging with things? And so appreciate that you have that experience as hey, a pastor of hey. a local church, walking through the same things everything, everybody else is.
1: Listen, I stopped looking at numbers for people coming a while ago. So our team sends numbers every single week. Monday, I'm gonna get numbers how many came, how many visitors, and what it compares to last year. So how does yeah. that number match up to last year? I will get that in my inbox every Monday. Uh, same thing now with numbers online. Yeah. Um, and I actually stopped looking at it a while ago. Um, I get it. I don't even open it. I just file it in my computer wow. because I, I have a real need for significance. Hmm. I, I want to be significant and, I, and I, I want to be accepted and I want to be liked. So the problem is, though, is, is that when I'm looking at those numbers, I'm beginning to attach those numbers to my significance or not my significance, Right, And um, rather than just sitting on Monday saying, was I faithful? Was I obedient? Did did wow. I do what God asked me to do yesterday? Did we do it to the best of our ability? Are we being faithful right now? Like that's what I've got to measure on Monday, not on how many came. So I, I'm not saying this to, I, I legitimately don't look at numbers now. For, you, I could yeah. not tell you how many people watched on Sunday or before COVID, how many people were showing up on a weekend. I don't know. Yeah. And so, and, and I'm saying this that I'm deliberately doing that because I really have to make sure that I'm just standing before God and, and just saying, God, I did the best I could to be obedient. And I think for me, and this would be my challenge for pastors right now, we are so impressed with things that Jesus is not impressed by. Right. And we don't even realize it. Like we applaud numbers and we applaud followers and we applaud big and we're so impressed by things. Mm -hmm. We're impressed by fame and we're impressed by celebrity and we're impressed by all this type of stuff. And I just realized, I'm like, I think we're applauding things Jesus isn't applauding and we're impressed by things Jesus isn't impressed by. And the example I give is this. So when we came, if you don't know Jesus culture, in our circles and in kind of our charismatic revival kind of world, we, and maybe even outside that, we definitely had a name. Mm-hmm. And I moved down here to plant. With, I mean, we came with seven famous worship leaders and a whole team, and and you know, a machine that was finances. Like we had a we had a great easy church plant experience from that standpoint. Mm-hmm. But and it, and so the church was growing. Mm-hmm. So you know, we we added a third service. Services are full. All this type of stuff. And I show up on a Sunday one day. And uh, Sunday went awesome. Worship was good. Sermon, and I don't always think my sermons are always good, but sermon (laughs) on that Sunday was so strong. Everything was great. But in between the the second and third service, I was out just talking with people and connecting, and this lady walked by, and uh, I didn't recognize her. And I stopped her. I said, hey, how are you? We haven't met yet. I'm banning. And she said, I've been coming for a couple months. And she said, um... She said, I've really enjoyed it. She says, I haven't really gotten involved yet. And she began to apologize because we encourage people to jump in and get involved. She Mm -hmm. began to apologize about not getting involved because she has social anxiety. She -hmm. said, I've got social anxiety and it's just been hard. She goes, I'm coming though. She goes, I'm coming on Sundays. It was like a real breakthrough that she was coming. But I just haven't gotten involved yet. And she was feeling guilty. And I just took a moment. I said, oh God. Don't even worry about it. Like, take your time. We're not in a hurry. Man, that's awesome, you're coming. Come and sit and enjoy yourself. Don't worry about having to jump in and serve right now. And I just kind of tried to ease that. And then I took her back. We have like this green room for all of our volunteers. So I take her back to this green room and I introduce her to some of our leaders. It was five minutes of my life. So we get down with the third service. I'm driving home. And as I'm driving home, I just kind of turn my heart. I connect with the Lord. And, do you want to, and in the midst of incredible Sunday, great numbers, great worship, great sermon, everything ran like we planned it. Do you know what I felt the pleasure of the Lord the most on?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Was the five minutes that I yeah. stopped and loved on a lady who had some social anxiety and wasn't plugged in.
2: Right,
1: and I stopped, and I loved on her, and I just let her know. Like honestly, it wasn't that it wasn't difficult, right?
2: Yeah. And
1: I took her back, and introduced to some people, and I was just so honestly, I just want to start crying when I was driving home. Just I could so feel the pleasure, yeah, of the Lord. I I was so felt the pleasure of the Lord in the fact that I would stop and love on this this woman. Yeah, and, that, and and just the Lord saying, thank you. Thank you for seeing her and thank you for taking time. And, yeah. and I think that, you know, what do we post on social media and what are we so excited about? And what gets the need for significance fired up and all that type of stuff? And, it, and, and I, I just realized, man, I think I'm impressed by things Jesus isn't impressed by. And I think I'm applauding things that maybe don't please his heart. And I thought,
0: Jesus, I just want to please your heart. Well, hey, we're going to jump back into this conversation in just a second. But before we do, I want to share a little bit about the work of Compassion Canada. As you know, the COVID-19 pandemic has had a massive impact on our whole world. And this includes the global development work to combat the effects of poverty. And so I want to highlight the work of Compassion because they're on the front lines of global development serving the most vulnerable who are experiencing the most negative effects of food shortages and decreased access to education. We have an opportunity as a local church here in Canada and beyond to continue to partner with organizations like Compassion who are aiming to relieve poverty and respond effectively to the negative repercussions of this pandemic in our world. For my wife, Rach, and I, We've been on a journey over time with Compassion. It began first with Child Sponsorship Program, and then it's grown over time. And what's encouraged us the most and what we found really meaningful is that as we discovered more and more about the DNA of Compassion, we found out that they work specifically with local churches. Like they are passionate about the local church, deep in the values and culture of Compassion Canada and their global partners is a desire to work with the local church in the regions around the world so they can bring development, service and holistic care all in the name of Jesus and in a way that lifts up the churches in that community. And that's one reason amongst many why we're so excited to partner with Compassion on this podcast. Here's the picture. Here's the dream in our heart. What if churches in Canada were able to support churches around the world who are reaching the most vulnerable? Compassion can be a bridge for us to do just that. So I want to encourage you, reach out to the team at Compassion and find out more about what they're up to, specifically in the midst of this pandemic. Find out what it means or what it could look like to build a bridge with Compassion to support local churches around the world as they reach out to the least of these in Jesus' name. You can find out a ton more about this at ccln.ca slash compassion. Okay, let's jump back into today's conversation.
1: And um, I could go off on this for a while because I, I, think, I think that... I, think if, I don't think pastors are honest enough. Mm. And what I mean by that is if I'm really honest, if my emotions are connected to a number on Sunday, it's not because of my passion for the lost.
2: Right.
1: And I have a passion for the lost. Like I have a passion for the lost. I want people to meet Jesus. Yeah. But if I'm honest, my emotions connected to a number is not because of my passion for the lost, it's because I want people to think I'm a good leader. And right. it's and it's not even people, it's not even people in our church. Yeah. People in our church, they show up to a service. <laughs> well, they they don't care if the room's three quarters full or full. They don't they they show up to one service. They don't know what happens if the other service is. They like they're like, hey, I love my service, what a great you know, what a great like and they, they love me as their pastor and but it's not them I'm trying to impress. I'm trying to impress other leaders.
2: Right.
1: I want other leaders when they ask me how many are coming to your church, when other leaders see on social media
2: mm-hmm.
1: I am like looking and longing for acceptance from other leaders and approval from other leaders. Now, if I stop long enough to admit that, then I can go, oh, oh, okay. Like I, it's not my passion for the lost that has thrown me off that, that there's a hundred less people this week. Right. It's because I really want other leaders to accept me. Yeah. Okay, well, then let's go deal with that. Yeah. Jesus, my identity is obviously not found fully in you. Yeah. Because if it's, if, if, if it's Jesus plus something else, it, like, wow. uh, like my identity and my security need to be found in Jesus and Jesus alone. But if it's like, well, Jesus, it's you yeah. and a certain number on Sunday. It's you, but certain leaders liking and being impressed by me. Totally. It's you and a certain amount of book sales. If it's Jesus in anything else, Yeah. Then I just need to stop and go, Jesus. I don't like. I'm. I just. I'm good in you.
2: Yeah.
1: Like I'm good in you. I don't. I don't need a certain amount of numbers to feel better about myself. I guess, anyways. But we allow that. I feel like I'm just rambling and just not even letting you jump in with comments. No, keep I. I. What? Here's my. Here's my concern in the church. Is is that we somehow, um, kind of like allow that. Because you can be a driven leader in the body of Christ and actually be getting results, but you're driven by unhealthy things.
2: Yeah, so true. And
1: we like somehow are just, hey, and I could go through a list, listen right now, we've all been around in the last couple of years, Leaders that have fallen, leaders that have been exposed, yeah. leaders that have shown they have dysfunctional, toxic environments that they've led. And and when it comes out, all the people are like, Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah, I thought he was was a pretty big jerk to me or whatever else. All all this stuff is like people aren't even surprised that are in their circles, but somehow we kind of make excuses for it and we keep inviting those people to conferences and we keep putting them up front. And you know why? Because you know what we're impressed by? Numbers. We're impressed by impact. We're impressed by fame. And we allow unhealthy internal motivations to drive leaders in the body of Christ and don't stop long enough to go, hey, do you think that thing that's driving you could be insecurity?
2: Right.
1: Because if it is, let's deal with it.
2: Yeah. And
1: my whole goal with leaders right now is get healthy. And then whatever comes from that is what's supposed to come.
2: Yeah. (laughs)
1: If it's a church of 100, if it's a church of 5,000, if it's, you know, whatever. Like get healthy and find out what comes out. Yeah. And um, let's go from there. Okay. That's my super long answer.
2: No, I love that. But you you do have some like pretty well-known leaders that are at your church with you. A lot of people would know some of the Jesus culture musicians yeah, sure. like Kim and the Torwalt and Chris and like yeah. some of those those big names. So how yeah. are you leading them to lead their lives because I feel like they are, you know, producing records and they are their faces are out there and they might have a lot of yeah. Instagram followers or whatever that is. How are you leading them to make sure that this is a part of the lives of not just for you personally, but you're leading a team that you're wanting to make sure that they adopt those same values, right?
1: Yeah. Well, I think it's why it's so important that community has to be a non-negotiable. Mm-hmm. Community has to be a non-negotiable. Yeah. And um, you've got to be in community. You've got to be around people that don't think you're famous and amazing and everything coming out of your mouth yeah. is Jesus and everything. You yeah. know what I'm saying? You've got to get around people that challenge you. Call you out. Well, I mean, I'm talking about true community. Yeah. And uh, I remember asking Matt Redman this one time, like, how do you stay humble in the midst? Of, I mean, it, Matt Redman, mm-hmm. like Grammy, multiple Grammy winning right. top songs and whatever else. He goes... Oh, it's not hard. I'm in community, and I'm around a bunch of people that aren't impressed by me. So, you know, I think if you're, I think if you if you're in true community, mm-hmm. then then it's naturally kind of knocks a bunch of that stuff off. And so that's why the issue of isolation and independence is is so dangerous. But I think the other thing is is you just got to continue to serve. Yeah. And uh, my pastor Bill Johnson up in Reading, what he said continually was all increase in our life has to be so that we can better serve others. And so do I have a problem with you getting more money? No. Do I have a problem with you getting more social media followers? No. Do I have a problem with you getting more well-known? No. As long as all of that increase is so that you can better serve others. Yeah. When that's not in place, then all of that increase becomes about me. Yeah. All of a sudden, the increase in finances is about me, is to serve me. Increase in followers is to serve me. Increase in influence is to serve me. Rather than all of this influence is so that I can lay my life down even more effectively for the body of Christ. So, so I think that we just stay in that spot. And, and yeah. at the end of the day... At the end of the day, I, I, you know we're all together, right? So, so I'm I'm not leading worship. I'm just I was a youth pastor at the time, and I'm their pastor still. And mm-hmm. so we're traveling around. We're we're literally in countries where I mean, you know, Brazil. Just I mean, thousands and thousands mm-hmm. of people showing up, sc- screaming, so excited to be there. And I would be in the back room, and I would just say, guys, I need us to remember this. They're not screaming for you, they're screaming for Jesus. Mm. And at the end of the day, if we come all the way to this country and we we do this worship set tonight, and people walk away talking about that they saw Kim, if they walk away talking about the lights, if they walk away talking about their favorite song, if they walk away, if they walk away talking about anything but Jesus, if they walk away, if they're not more in love with Jesus when they leave. If they haven't encountered Jesus in this moment, if they don't walk yeah. away talking about Jesus, then we haven't done our job. We haven't yeah. done our job at all. So I think it's just continually keeping this type of stuff in front of us. Yeah,
2: that's awesome. I've always appreciated that about you and hearing your teaching and the way that you've kind of lived your life is it seems like you're always trying to make Jesus the focal point and you're yeah. elevating those people around you and you, you have the you know, the ability and even the story and the experience behind you to become kind of like a celebrity pastor. But you have, in some ways, you've like, it almost seems like you've rejected that a little bit to push other people forward and to make sure that the name of Jesus comes forward before everything else. And I'm sure that there are uh, like challenges (laughs) around just trying to keep that the forefront around what you do. But thanks so much for um, being an example of what it looks like to lead like that, because I think it's one thing to hear a leader say that. And it's a completely... um, other amazing opportunity to watch somebody live that out in their life, and to to just watch, you know, from the background, the way that you uh, like lead your church and the way that you lead that team to make Jesus uh, the front boy. It has been pretty amazing. I just wanna, Thank you. I just wanna ask you. I know that you're somebody who really does believe that like God can do anything. You believe in the power of prayer. You believe yeah. in miracles. Um, I, I'm just wondering if you have any like just great stories or uh, experience that you could just share with people today just to encourage people that God is still moving, that He, is, he does still answer prayers, that He is still doing miraculous things. Uh, if, if there's anything that you could share to just kind of encourage people today.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, well, we do believe in that. We believe in the mm-hmm. power of God. Uh, we believe that it's the only thing that, that makes a difference. And, and I think the stories for us uh, around healing i mean one of the first mm. just one of the first things we saw when we planned this church was a lady with stage 4 lung cancer had been given a really bleak kind of um, report had just started to come to get prayer from our team, went back to the doctor, completely cancer-free, completely healed of stage four lung cancer, the whole thing. So there are stories of that, there are stories of Mm -hmm. healings that have happened, but you know, one of the most significant things we've seen, well, I mean, stage four lung cancer is pretty significant, (laughs) but one of the most significant things is marriages being restored, marriages being healed. And so just seeing lives transformed at a deep, deep level, marriages transformed, these are all, these all happens just through the power of God. The yeah. supernatural working power of God, so we absolutely believe in that. we believe He's a God who heals, we believe he's a God that does impossible things, and we we say this all the time when Jesus said, "Hey, that's impossible with man, yeah, but with God, all things are possible, and just reminding our church all the time, listen, that situation may be impossible with man, yeah, but here's the good news: you're not with man. You're yeah. with God, yeah. you know, and so every situation that we face, whether it's cancer, uh, whether it's a, a broken marriage that seems beyond repair, whether it's an insurmountable amount of debt, whether it's the economy, whatever, whatever we're yeah. facing, we just say, guys, that situation is impossible with man. It's impossible. Here's the really good news. Yeah. You're not with man. Totally. You're with God and who you show up with matters. So yeah, we've seen some really great some really great salvation stories and healing stories and marriages being restored stories. It's just it is definitely the fruit that's continued continued to fuel us.
2: Do you have a secret to keeping your faith? Up to keep believing and praying for that stuff because I know, like, in my own life and my own experience, like, you know, I've had some health challenges, and you're like, yeah. oh, okay, still haven't been healed, Walk through a difficult season. Yeah, okay, God took a little longer than I thought He should have <laughs> in order yeah. to like come yeah, through on that. Truth. Like, how do you keep your faith at a place where you just keep believing and keep asking and, and don't back down from that?
1: Yeah, uh, well, I think obviously getting His word, I think mm-hmm. that we, we run our life off His word, so f- yeah. so for us it's like this and my experience does not my experience does not define my theology my experience does not define who god is his word does and so yeah. just really stay an anchor to that i be, you know i believe what his word says and even if i don't see it with my eyes right now hmm. and and i think for us what you're what you're describing as well as there are, uh, to, to say that everybody's been healed is just not accurate. There, there are people that have, have died. There are people that we have contended for and prayed for that didn't get healed. Uh, there are some that we're still praying for that haven't received their healing. Um, but what we try to do is we try to not let the unanswered questions define what we believe over the questions that are answered. <laughs> so, so we try not to let the unknown somehow yeah. define what we do know. And when I read scripture, there are things that are very clear about who he is and his word. And so we anchor ourselves to that. And when there are questions, and we do see dimly, when there are questions, when there is unknown, I don't mind having the tension. I don't mind them there. There are things Mm -hmm. I can't answer, but I'm not going to let them define what I can answer. And then then I would say this, as I think you've got to just get with God. The Bible says in Psalms it says wait on the Lord be of good courage. And I find because what you're describing really leads to discouragement. Mm-hmm. These questions of like I just feel I haven't been healed. Mm-hmm. I'm still in debt. My mar- what you know just go through I, yeah. and we've been pressing in and we've been fighting and we've been believing and we've been contending and we've been doing all the stuff. Yeah. What happens is is discouragement begins to set in. A sense right. of hopelessness begins to set in. And so what I know is this is that if I can get into his presence, if I can get with him, yeah. that either his voice or his presence, so sometimes I just he's with me, and that's enough. Yeah. I don't have an answer, but he's with me, and that's enough, or his voice speaks to me and 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 in that relationship, him you know him I, I point a lot of people to like, what's Jesus saying?" Well, I don't know, we'll go find out. So obviously it's in his word, but as they go and connect with Jesus and he speaks to them, I find courage coming again and I will go get with God until I find courage. I will go get yeah, my Bible I and I will go sit with him and I until he speaks to me and I find courage beginning to come again in my heart. And sometimes it's a daily thing. I remember I was going through a tough situation years and years ago and, and I, I was in my prayer closet. The Lord spoke to me. I had my Bible right. open, the whole thing, you know, and and, and I just felt courage. But then it was like every two days I'd be driving and just feel a flood of kind of discouragement again. And I would right. just have to stop again and lock in. Yeah. I remember what he said. I know what the word says. And then I would ask him again to speak fresh to me. Right. And so you just kind of have to stay in that spot.
2: Yeah. No, thanks so much for sharing that and touching on your experience there too. Listen, I, I wish we could talk for a few more hours, because we didn't even touch on kind of what led you out of Jesus Culture as a like youth ministry, young adult ministry, yeah. into planting a church. I feel like there was probably a whole bunch of dynamics there, and, and that change, moving to a new city to do that, and, and what that's looked like. But uh, maybe we'll be able to have another conversation again at some point to get into some of that. I'm sure you've told those stories many times that people could find somewhere I love Canadians
1: the come on I'll <laughs> jump on I, I would I would love to jump on again and talk leadership anytime
2: awesome well thanks so much for being with us today Banning really appreciate just the depth of wisdom that you have to share and the evidence and just the way that you live your life and the, the deep uh, character and integrity that's there so thanks so much for joining us
1: thank you for having me it really genuinely was an honor to be with you
0: Well, I want to thank Banning for sharing with us today and a huge thank you to Kim for hosting the conversation. I love having Kim and other guest interviewers here. We hope to keep doing that. And we've got some of our favorite moments from this interview available on our blog as well as our Instagram and YouTube channels. You can find everything you need to connect more with Banning and his work at Jesus Culture Sacramento on our website. Just head to ccln.ca slash blog. And before you go, I want to thank Compassion Canada for partnering with us at CCLN and for making this podcast possible. Compassion is an organization that deeply believes in the work of the local church around the world, and their entire philosophy for serving the least of these in the developed world is based on their work and involvement with local churches. Through more than 8,000 church partners, Compassion is currently alleviating the devastating effects of COVID-19 and poverty in the lives of children in the developing world. The reason why we're so thrilled to work with an organization like Compassion is because we just love the idea of churches in Canada supporting churches around the world in a mission that's so close to God's heart. We're thrilled when we get to see bridges built from one church community to another, and so is Compassion. So if you're a church leader, considering what your strategy for missions should include this year, I encourage you to get in touch with the team at Compassion. You can find all you need for that next step at ccln.ca slash Compassion. Well, that's all we have for you today. Please, if you haven't already, give us a like or review on whatever platform you're listening from. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you soon.